So uh, you are in Bulgaria, and your URL, it's a, like a, a blog slash coaching site, right? Uh, is, uh, yeah, it's just my name. Yeah, Very yeah. creative, I know. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like stevepavlina.com, right? George yeah, yeah. com. You know, I tried that, but my name's Jeff Smith, so it didn't work out so well. So, oh. Yeah. And you mean in terms of getting the domain or just... Well, you know, I, I think uh, if I was writing a script to my life, uh, anonymity was important to me. So, you know, oh, there's okay. more than one Jeff Smith in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I would have to be Jeff Smith 338. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 nope, with an index at the end. Right. <laughs> yeah. It just wouldn't work. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Bill Singleton, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Hey, I know where you are <laughs> because you're, you're kcwebdesigner.com, so you're in Kansas City. <laughs> exactly. All I right. wasn't a few hours ago, but I am right now. Oh, you're, you were on the road. Right. Roger that. Okay. Well, talk a little bit about uh, what you got going on over at kcwebdesigner.com. Obviously, you're designing web pages. Pretty much, you know, yeah. it's pretty. I'm funny. I'm technically, I guess, um, a web designer by trade, but I didn't start out this way. Sure. Um, went to school and got a degree in finance. And actually, it's pretty funny. I got a, a D in computer science in college way wow. back in the day. So, so the, to the extent that I'm like a, um, I'm actually in web design right now. I think my college buddies are probably like, "How did that happen?" Right. Right. Um, that makes that's yeah. Wow. Right. Great. But, um, you know, I didn't design my first website until I was after 30 years old, and I kind of did it. I made a promise I wasn't sure I could keep, and I ended up making making one for an auto detailer of all um, of all types of businesses on, on a trade deal, actually. And, um, you know, we ended up getting ranked on Google. And he gave me a call one day and said, hey, you changed my business and changed my life. Um, of course, again, I'm in my early to mid-30s then, and I kind of felt like that was the most rewarding professional moment, you know, of really? my career where somebody wow. was like, you, you've changed my business and you've changed my life. I was like, wow, nobody's ever told me something like that before. So all of a sudden wow. I had this like epiphany of, um, I finally want to, uh, you know, I finally know what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> Even though I, I already had a little bit of gray hair at that time. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, that one little website's rolled into a, you know, a thriving digital agency. We've done hundreds of websites. Um, we've got dozens of digital marketing clients and I've got, you know, my own employees and teams now. And, um, of course I took a long winding path to get, uh, from a D in computer science to my first Microsoft front page website and beyond. But, sure. um, yeah, that's how I got, that's what I'm doing. Uh, that's what we do. We do, we do, uh, we do web design, but really my end game is to try and create websites that generate leads and business for people. So sure. you know, I think a lot of people hope to have that angle, but we really, really focus on that piece of it. And that's, that's how, um, better because different. like, I mean, we all know, I mean, I don't know, most, most people throw up a website and then, you know, crickets, right? Exactly. <laughs> 
The, uh, well, look, that's the way it's pitched, man. Every time they turn the TV on, it's like GoDaddy and Wix and Weebly are saying, you right. get online for $50 a month and we'll list you on Google. And that's, so that's basically you know, the market's brainwashed into still thinking that they're digital brochures. But we know um, that they're marketing platforms and they're publishing right. platforms like right. people that have podcasts. I mean, your whole deals, you know, everything's kind of coming back to the website and you know, right. it's, uh, it, you're publishing and doing that kind of stuff. But but this is not the way people, I think, think about them. We still think about them as digital brochures, you know, as right, small right. as business owners. And, yeah, and like until a you kind of get an ad or something. Right, right, People right. People need right. to find me and, and get the map and see my menu or whatever, you know? It's like, no. <laughs> a little more to it. Than a lot more to it. Yeah, right. So, okay, but I want to get back to the long and windy road because that's what Vroom Vroom Beer is all about. So if you don't mind, indulge me a little bit and uh, and just talk a little bit about your journey. So um, where did you grow up? I grew up in, um, well, geez, we got all over the place. So my father was in the military, so I, oh, you know, cool. I was born in Arizona. We lived in California for a while. Right. Um, I do have my parents have roots in Kansas City, so that's kind of how we ended up back back here after um, moving and doing other things. But when I was, um, you know, I consider myself actually from Tampa, Florida, because that's where my dad did his business stint after the military. Okay. Um, so I went to like you know mil- uh, middle school and high school. Right. Um, in, in the Tampa Clearwater area, and then and moved that's, up. That's to, where you you everybody's formative years are those years. So that right. That's where I'm so that's from. How I, right. Right. That's yes. how I feel like I'm exactly. That's yeah, kind of where most of my favorite memories are from right. kind of growing up and that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. I get it. Um, and then I went to school up in in New England, and from there. Um, I, uh, I got a job out of school, and this is really kind of what started me on my, my path. I went thinking I was going to be okay. I'll go up into New England and and you know I'll become a, get a job in finance, maybe on Wall Street or something like that. Um, and I went to school in New England and Connecticut. Actually, um, I ended up getting a job right out of school in the insurance industry, so not very exciting. Um, and this is a but, job in finance. Well, yeah, it was basically almost like a financial analyst within an insurance company. Oh yeah, right. Okay. I so I, I, uh, I've actually gotten job offers that sound a lot like that. <laughs> you know well, nothing about finance. You want to do it? <laughs> and it just happened. It's really funny how like when you're young and you're in, getting out of college that something like a, your first job out of school can really put you on a path. And whether it's not your path or somebody else's path, I think it ends up putting you on a path. For and, sure. I think if you just stay with it and let life happen to you, you can maybe get sucked down into somebody else's life. And that's what I ended up feeling like. The first three years out of uh, school, I was, you know, in a a beige office building with beige carpet and a beige cubicle. And I just felt like it was one of these, you know, soul crushing cubicle jobs. uh, Sounds like Joe versus the volcano. You remember that movie? (laughs) I do remember the movie, but I guess, yeah, it kind of started off. I didn't. In the very beginning of that movie, that's where, that's where Joe was. He was in that that office that you just described with the flickering lights, the the fluorescents that were constantly humming and driving him slowly mad. <laughs> and, and that's just it. I mean, yeah. I, you know, it's been I, a long time. That's when I remember like getting up. Um, you know, when you're going to a job that you don't like or love or not motivated by, and right. you want to sleep in, you the cl- you're looking at the alarm clock at your enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at the clock at your office, like it's like, oh my gosh, this is lasting forever. I'm not I'm not happy here. Now, on the other hand, I was really appreciative to step basically step off of the you know graduation carpet into a job. Um, right. So you're those- you're kind of like that that cross between 
going crazy and feeling guilty for not being grateful for having employment. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but but it does. It got to a point after three four years where I was like, I just can't. I'm you know I'm just I'm just dying here. So, um, and and I you know I got a school. I was for some reason yeah. You know, it's one of these things where I felt like I, when I was in school I had all sorts of you know confidence this kind of stuff. As soon as I went to the corporate world, I started to have anxiety issues. I never had. I had no confidence. I couldn't really talk to people even that well uh, that much. Really? Um, I did okay in my job, but I just wasn't really good with um interacting with folks so um that having that issue and then and i probably am wired as an introvert naturally i mean that's just kind of a physical thing for some people sure. and that's kind of what i am yeah um but um at the end of that th- end of that three or four years i was like i can't do this anymore i have to i'm getting pulled down somebody else's destiny i look around my office and there's guys that have been there 20 30 maybe mm. even 40 years oh, yeah. and i just couldn't see myself in that you know corporate kind of a zombie and i don't want to knock the insurance industry or finance cuz that did it it just wasn't it for, for you people. yeah it just wasn't right. for you yeah Right. And I knew it wasn't for me. And I felt like if I stay on this thing, it's going to be harder and harder to leave. I'm going to make more money. And it's just not going to be. So I ended up doing something very drastic. And I literally think my parents thought I'd lost my mind. And they were actually pretty upset about it. Sure. But I ended up just kind of packing up my bags and I moved to Asia. Wow. Literally. Like, awesome. I gave my boss, and this is you know back in like the early mid '90s, so it was like, what the hell are you doing? Um, uh-huh. Like, just gave my two week notice, packed up, sold everything as quickly as I could, and I was like, I'm gonna go on an adventure. I'm gonna change the trajectory of my life. I'm gonna just because I felt like I'm going down this path that's not mine. I want to make it, you know, do something different. So I, I kind of burst myself, tore Very a little Tim Ferriss of you, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> tore a little hole in space time and crawled through it. Um, and I actually, I. I thought about going to all lots of different places in Asia, but I ended up landing and picking Taiwan because I wanted to study Mandarin, wow. and I didn't want to go somewhere where it was like poverty line or perhaps dangerous. How you know China was back right. then, I and mean, that's a totally different place right, now. Right, right. Um, so I ended up going to Taiwan. I studied uh, Mandarin there for a while, and then got uh, um, ended up meeting my wife. Uh, met her. She wasn't my wife at the time. A year into it, and like a year or two later, we ended up getting married. Um, wow. Then I ended up going back to grad school. That's a, a huge Fun. deal, right there. That's yeah. Talk about a was, life. Like you, ch- you took the, just grabbed the uh, bull by the horns there. I mean, I'm changing this now. <laughs> totally. You right. see, parents back then, it's like what? I mean, there's these are people, folks that you know, my mom really spent most of her life either in Kansas City or, or you know Florida. So um, Florida was a big, big deal, big move. So having a you know, well, one of her babies. Your, your dad was in the military, right? You said? Yep. So yeah, he so must he have, was, he kind of was like, uh, maybe I don't support it, but I kind of get it. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean, right. I think he kind of got part of it. Because the, the great thing about being in the military is even if you've got the world's shittiest job, it usually only lasts three years. And yeah. Then, and then you get to move. <laughs> Yeah, so or, his deals like yeah. he was in Vietnam, so he didn't get to do any like you know it was it was that and back, oh, that, and he was there yeah. for eight years. But okay. um, the military, but when but when he got out, he only had one job. He worked for AMC theaters basically his entire wow. life. Oh, and yeah. when back before I think China ended up buying that company, a couple a, a Chinese conglomerate ended up buying that company um, a couple of years ago. But you know, he was there for thirty two years. And wow. when I was in college, he was basically you know, at the top of the company, he was like president and chief operating officer. So he, wow. he was in charge of expanding a lot of their operations in Europe and Asia. So 
to be honest, the reason I'm telling you this is because I think some of that story of him going out there and, you know, I could kind of see uh, the excitement when he would talk about kind of going out into those places, oh, probably so lit, what put lit a little bit of a fire. Head. Yeah, that put the bug in your ear. Yes. A little bit. And I had a, a buddy of mine who was a, an identical twin. His brother did this uh, a semester or two in Japan. And I was mm. like, that sounds really cool. You know, so I had a couple um, things that did. Now that we're talking about it, I guess I remember them. So they got to be a little bit influential, right? Yeah, for um, sure. But, so I knew I wanted to do something. And I was like, I'm just not going to stay stuck um, here in an insurance company in Connecticut for mm. the next 20 years and yeah, maybe yeah. never, never have a chance. So how long anywhere. did you end up staying in Taiwan? I was there at first for two years, and then then I I applied to grad school, and I went to I got into a place called Thunderbird in Phoenix. It kind of does international business um, management type stuff. I think it's part of ASU right now, but okay. um, that was great because it had an, a, a program you know focused on international business, and they required you to speak another language. So they I got to continue Mandarin and use that piece of it. Okay. So I did that for two years, and then I got a job that sent me right back to Taiwan, kind of during the dot com era type stuff. So oh, wow. I was there another eight years, you know, Holy helping, God. and it was really cool. Yeah. Because we helped. My first job out of grad school was during the dot com era, and we were helping. North American startup companies get venture capital and business partnerships in Asia. So it was a dream job yeah, because yeah. the dot-com was, was like Bitcoin is now. Everybody wanted to jump into a dot-com. You know, yeah, yeah. it was a, There's nothing it was here. Easy. Let's invest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I'm a Westerner that speaks Mandarin and I've got like these candy investments. So there was a nice, you know, couple, two, three-year run where it was just a great thing to have out of school. Really opened my eyes. And the whole, But I'll tell you what one thing is. Me leaving as a scared kid um, in my early 20s, then going on my own, not knowing anybody, learning a language, and then able to thrive in a business environment gave me the confidence that, you know, I feel like I can do anything right now. So that, you know, I think part of that adventure and and going and doing something on your own and being scared and bursting, you know, kind of pushing that envelope and doing something um, really, at least in my case. um, Kind of scary as well. (laughs) <laughs> it's made me a different person. I mean, totally. For sure, yeah. It's, it's, I have confidence now that I never, never had, um, you know, looking back at that scared kid. Right. Um, that that, that kid that couldn't interact with anybody and it was just like socially awkward and anxiety exactly. ridden. Yes. And was like, didn't really relate well to other people. And now he's got his own podcast. <laughs> exactly. I'm podcasting and guest right. blogging and writing books and, yeah. um, that kind of stuff. So that, that ha- so that thing burst, and then I ended up um, doing some more business development after the dot-com burst. And I, I was at the right place at the right time. A software company basically essentially fell into my lap. I had been doing some business development for them, but um, they were going into this. It was, it was a really interesting story, actually. It's this company called DVDX Copy. And I remember it was them. Of- you remember them? I remember DVDX copy. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I'm part of that story because they were like, you know, first there was Napster and that was a big lawsuit and all that kind of stuff. And then DVDX yeah. copy came on. So I I came on as as a business development consultant for them as they were trying to expand into Asia. Now, if, if you know anything about the story, they legally sold software, uh, DVD copy software all over the North America for a while. Right. Under the fair use rights, but right. then Hollywood because everybody was allowed to make a backup 
right? Exactly. I remember. <laughs> but then, but man, it's great because then, but then Hollywood got onto it really fast, and they said, "Hey, there's something called the DMCA. Um, you can't do that. You can't make copy of copy protected material." So the the cool thing about it is they were in this long battle that lasted like almost three years while they were selling the crap out of this stuff in the United States, right. and they made. Millions and millions of dollars. I think the one of the owners. It was only owned by two people, no investors or whatever. He told me one year of operation, they had two hundred million dollars, and it was great because they sent me back one year, and it was like they had a company helicopter picking me up from the airport. It was wow. like you know, that dot com thing. It was pretty sick. But what ended up happening <laughs> is when Hollywood shut them down in the states, yeah. I was in Taiwan helping them grow where it was still legal all around the rest of the world to sell online other places. So right. literally, the company fell into my lap. So. Um, I had all these, and, and I was like, "Can they?" He's like, "Are you sure you can do this?" And I was like, "You know, at that time, if I would have been right out of school, I would have said, hell no, you know, pee running down my leg' type of a thing.'" <laughs> but uh, at that time, I was like, "Hell yeah, I can do this. I can speak Chinese." So, um, so, and I didn't know that at the time, but I was like, "I'm not going to let this opportunity pass." But so, you know, they invested some money. We hired a bunch of people. But it was at that time that I really learned a lot about the power of Google and websites and stuff because we most of our sales were coming in through affiliate marketers that had um, had um, websites, right? And this is going back 15 years ago. Wow. So we'd have these guys that would have forums and, you know, the precursors to blogs and all this kind of stuff that have sure. a banner. We were given the big ones like 50% of the sale. And, of course, so if it's $99 piece of software, an affiliate banner got clicked, came to our site, and the big affiliates, we'd pay them you know, fifty percent. So we're here. We are writing checks out to these guys that are located all over the world. A lot of them in Europe, some in North America. But fifty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars a month wow. um, to guys that, and we were just one of their affiliates, right? But they had all the traffic. So right. these guys were probably working like an hour a day. Here we're getting fifty percent of the sale. I had twenty-five employees, investors in the company, product support. So our little fifty percent got whittled down to like almost nothing. Yeah. So at that time, I was like, "Holy cow! Look at the power!" And th- a lot of this was being driven by. Google back then, people right. searching how to copy DVD movies, how to do a DVD backup, and all this kind of stuff. So, right. really woke me up. I had no idea how, it were, but I saw right away. I was like, "That's the ROI trail." I mean, that's where things are happening. So, there was a little bit of an epiphany there, and I knew that the DVDX copy thing wouldn't last, and it didn't. Hollywood took their battle around the rest of the world and basically changed the laws everywhere. So every right. other country basically gave in. We ended up selling what was left of the company. My wife was ready to have a family. We packed up. I said, "Where do you want to move?" I said. We're going to move to California because I can speak Chinese. I'll get all sorts of jobs there. She says, we're moving to Kansas City because I love it there and your family's there. Um, and guess, <laughs> where we, guess where we ended up? <laughs> Kansas City? Exactly. So, um, <laughs> so we moved back and guess I sat around. It was a nice you know, payday when we left and sold it in that run, but it wasn't like I can, you know, in my 30s. It wasn't I, time to quit yet. No, and I couldn't. I mean, literally, you know. You just gotta well, the way people are living and the way everything costs. You can't, you can't. There's not, there isn't you enough know, now. Even if an, I've talked to years. people that that have had enough money, you know, more than enough money to stop working, and it never works out. <laughs> never did, <laughs> no, no, because you just get bored. So yeah. even if, even if you don't want to get a job, you still have to stay engaged somehow. So I, I had a nice, nice cushion. I mean, I came back and it cool. wasn't enough to do it, but it was enough to like. 
buy a house right out of the gate and do a bunch of things that you know I wasn't able to have um, in Asia and things like that. So, but I was, yeah, I was like fiddled around for. So then I actually kind of did some, and I still I did my own affiliate gig, and that lasted a while. But that's where I came around. I think at the end of the first year back in Kansas City, where I was like, hey, I got this car, sports car that I wanted to just kind of fool around with because I missed driving a stick, and I had told this talk to this auto <laughs> auto talk to this auto detailer, and I was like, man, you should have a website because. This poor guy was um, selling details to um, dealerships for $25 a car, killing himself, making almost nothing on it. I said, if you had your own website and people could find you online, you could be selling these for $100 or $200 details right. to the retail. So I was like, he didn't have a website. I'm going to do it. So I said, okay, let's do a little barter deal. You know, you hook me up with this car I bought and I'll build you a website. I didn't even know how to build websites. So I made him a promise I couldn't keep, but I was like, you know what? <laughs> One page website, I'll suck it up and hire somebody if I have to. But I rolled up my sleeve, took me two weeks, how to figure out how to do a, build a website on like front page. I think I tried Dreamweaver and gave it up. And wow. then I don't know if you remember oh, Microsoft. My goodness. I do page. remember front page. <laughs> I, I opened it a couple up. of times and went, what the hell is that? Right. <laughs> and then I closed it. <laughs> so, so I built him a, a, a one-page purple and yellow front-page website. It ranks <laughs> in like 60 days, and his phone starts ringing off the hook. And then that's when he calls me, and I was like, hey, this is – I don't know what you've done, man, but this is changing my business. And then that's when it comes back. At the, that time, I was like, right. yes, this is super rewarding. A guy just told me I changed his life, and guess what? I can make money on this. I was like, this is it. I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, and that's what happened. There was just that one website that's kind of rolled into – all this, this so that's like, the life's t- funny turns, right? A D, right. a sweaty, anxiety-ridden kid that <laughs> has a panic attack and life and runs out to Asia to hide or do something else, and yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and somehow I got some confidence and started taking, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that were that were out there, and and um, that's kind of how life's happened to me. Did you ever? Uh, did you ever make it to Japan just to visit? Not in a way that um, we could really enjoy it. Although that my wife's her favorite food, so it's like on our list to like really go out there and spend some serious time. Yeah. Uh, now that my kids are eight years old and um, we're going to do some more, like we're going to go to Asia again. I just um, got back and it's still fun. I mean, it's like living in the future because my wife is from Japan, so we have to go back like at least once a year. You know, so, you know, now it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's like my other home, right? So I've been back. We lived, I lived there twice when I was in the military, like two years and, and then three years the second time. And then we've been, you know, with a couple of breaks here and there because I was either just busy at work or exhausted. I took a couple of years off the Japan trip, but for the most part, it's been at least once a year since we've been married. Um, and the train is amazing. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just so much fun, you know. Plus, it's like for I mean, like my wife's from Taiwan, and it's just you know, Japan's like the cultural beacon for Asia because it's got the fashion, it's got the technology, it's got the great food. Yeah, um, every place in Asia's got their own really fantastic things, but you know, that Japan's kind of a you know one of those places I think is highly influential in a lot of other Asian economies. So I've never been my to wife, Taiwan. It's one of those so. places. Sorry? I've never been to Taiwan. I, I've only it's been, cool, man. Yeah, I've only been to well, you know, back back in the day, the the Air Force wouldn't let me go, but now I don't have an excuse. I can go now. <laughs> <laughs> I, nice. I I did get sent to uh, uh, Korea once for Y two K because uh, there was a uh, 
a mission system that needed a, a software update before Y2K happened. <laughs> so I got a free weekend in uh, Osan, Korea. It was pretty fun. Yeah, I've been to, I went to Korea a few times for business and yeah. got to look around and eat some. I love South Korea's. I love obviously. I love Korean food, man. The authentic stuff and those gigantic oh, yeah. chopsticks made of metal. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> they're crazy. Yeah, Korea is awesome. It I is. spent a ton of time in China. I lived in Hong Kong for a while. And, oh really? And I um, pretty nuts. Well, yeah. Well, you know when I was doing the. Um, when I was there, the first two years, I was doing like the English teacher um, thing. I didn't have like the proper visa, so I'd have to leave every sixty days. So I ended up going to Hong Kong a lot. Oh, um, then right. when I went to grad school, I spent a, half of that was in Asia, and the several months were in in Hong Kong, and the rest of it was split between Beijing and Shanghai. So I spent a lot of time was both that? those places. Then I went back for business. I went for grad school, and then I went back several times for business. So I spent. It's a lot better when you have a visa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've always imagined that 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 would be crazy. You know, every ninety days or so, you have to like leave the country. <laughs> yeah. Well, then afterwards, and I actually got married and things. Obviously, things got a little bit easier when you have a spouse there. But, right. Um, before then, it was a couple of years of doing a lot of traveling and sure. But it's good. But you know, it's good to be a pain, but it was also I took advantage of it. So I got to see a lot. Oh yeah, that's um, fun out there. Australia, I loved Australia too. That's a great place to go. I spent spent some time doing business there and, and been able to travel. And um, but Japan, man, that's really you got to like, get that's one there. place. I spent all that time there and never got really good quality time there. So so you were you were only there for just short little business trips that were yeah, just no kind of in, in, exactly. yeah, in and out. Yeah, <laughs> it's a blast. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, your book, the SEO for Growth, because it uh, it's kind of fascinating. You know, I've been kind of like have a love hate relationship with Google. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, I tried I tried blogging and chasing the SEO you know tail for so long. Like I'm in this position of sort of like I I know it it works and I know it's valuable, but. God, I don't want to do it. <laughs> so bless you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just ugh, every time Google decides to change a little thing, then it's like you've got hours and hours of work now. Whack-a-mole all day Exactly, long. exactly. So talk a little bit about what you talk about in your book. Well, so I was a, drawn to SEO for a lot of reasons. One was because I saw what happened with you know DVX copy and that kind of stuff. But right. it was also kind of cool because bef- you know SEOs changed a lot in the last five years, because oh. um, the first like fifteen years of Google's existence, a lot of what drove SEO was back office stuff. So tweaking your website, you know, pushing the limits on things that might be you know gray Edgy. hat and black right, hat, right, and that kind right. of right. Yes, but a huge, huge thing for years, obviously, was trying to get as many backlinks as possible. Right. So volume based backlinks, right? Right. Yeah. And no matter what Google said or tried to do, it was just always some kind of combination of trying to get as many backlinks as possible. Right. Um, and that's what drove SEO for the longest time. But then about five, six years ago, because this you know gray hat stuff started to work its way into the mainstream, you literally started to hear companies like JCPenney and Overstock and eBay you know, get penalized for trying to, to, to do some of these tactics that had kind of worked their way into the wow. Fortune 500, 5,000. Right. That they, they started to take a totally different approach to their algorithm. Instead of just having it being reward-based, they started to work in these punitive algorithms. And this is – the reason I'm telling you this kind of stuff is because it really has changed – 
the internet, I think, the way Google went and reworked their algorithms to weed out um, manipulative uh, search engine stuff. So sure. they started to attack um, – use they, they, they came out with these uh, you know little nicknames for animals um, – Panda was the first. There's been I lots remember of different Panda. Remember oh, Panda? Was, yes. So oh, that was Panda the biggest was a pain giant nuclear bomb it for was. SEO. Oh my god! And I had at that point, I was using this uh, this sort of like back end system. Did you ever hear of SBI? I have. I that that does yeah. ring a bell. I don't think yeah. I've never. I was. Used it. it was. It was good because of the back end, and they had a lot of like support um, of helping you do a lot of the SEO and and keep your content like real. Right. But the, the shitty part was, was it was all, they were all static web pages. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good sound. <laughs> it's exactly. Yes. Oh my God. That was, so when Panda came out, I was like, I quit. <laughs> a lot of people were real. I mean, cause yeah. you know, people have their whole businesses on this and it was oh, small yeah. ones. You didn't really hear like, it's not like a major, like IBM said, Hey, my, it was like just, you know, thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands of businesses that really felt it hard. Yeah. And a lot of them were just, some of them people knew they were working the system. Other ones had hired SEO folks that they had no idea. They just thought they were doing it the right way. Right. And uh, you know, my SEO guy's doing that. Exactly. <laughs> and fix and, it. That, and of course, a lot of the affiliate marketers just got hammered. So they you know, went from making tens of thousands of dollars, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to like nothing or a fraction of it. So right. that one really, really just hit like hard. Gr- basically, it was just like sales disappearing overnight. Exactly. Wow. Nuts. Nowhere to go, nothing to say. Nobody, there's really, I mean, you know, right, the communities right. to complain to, but there was no one to go to because it's like Google's game. They can do whatever the heck they want. They can push a button whenever they want and reshuffle right. the deck right, right. as many times as you want to do it. So Panda came out and many variations have come through and it's actually just part of the core algorithm now. And then another one came out because some of the folks that were focused on like, you know, creating doorway pages and all sorts of keyword stuffing and multiple pages and static web pages, um, they got hit really hard. But another group maybe focused on more basic websites, but more backlink building. So then they came out with Penguin that attacked the off-page stuff, so mostly backlinks. Another nuclear bomb came and destroyed that part of that business. So so what ended up happening in a good way, of course, it, no matter how white hat you were, the problem with Google is no matter what they said early on, the results came from doing these things that were considered gray hats. So people were forced to do some of it to some degree. Right. 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 It just depends how black was your hat. Were you a little bit gray or were you black? But you had to do something. <laughs> yeah. You had to do something to get some results, or you might as right. well not been doing anything. So because right, they right. said content was king, but they didn't really mean it. They meant you know because they they said so. But then they did these things, and it changed behavior. People lost business. They started focusing on new things, and it was painful at the time. But it's really made the internet a lot better because the things that count now are things that look a lot more like healthy, holistic marketing, right? So they've really gone in and said, hey, you know, we want you to create good content on your website, like blogs, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like podcasts. Right. Um, get backlinks are still really, really healthy and good, but you have to get them from the right places. They can't be spammy. So purchase backlinks or hiring somebody offshore to build you a bunch of shill backlinks, That's bad nice. news. Right? Yeah, right. But getting good backlinks and earning them by sharing your content or making good stuff on your website that people want to link to, really good and really important. Right. Um, getting yeah. reviews in the right place. It's all about authenticity, basically. Exactly. And so and, if and you're participation. Gonna make, right. And if yep. you're going to have like a program that to help people, then whatever you do, it can't be like you know a bunch of people linking to your site that are – have nothing to do with it and, and work somewhere in a sweat farm in Asia. So 
uh, you know. Exactly. Right. And, and the other part of the coin side of the coin is, I mean, this is where web design gets really, really important is that's the car. It's, it's the marketing platform. You want to, you want it to be the referral source for all your content so that people come back to it. So it generates the signals that are going to, Google's going to want to reward you for. So you get a lot of people that participate and they do it kind of in a disjointed or fragmented way. So they'll put some of their best content, say up on Facebook where it dies. We don't want to do that. You want to put it on your website, link to your social media. So people have to come back to see the rest of it. So you get that traffic, you get that engagement. Maybe you get a link out of it. You get the Facebook pixel them or AdWords tag them. So you can remarket to them later and build up your, your, later and build up an audience, all this kind of stuff. So that's really why I'm a web designer is because, Hey, that's, it has, you know, to do marketing right, right. Now, it has to be web-centric, and you want to do it on your own property, not somebody else's. For but sure. you had originally asked, why did you get in, and how did you get in, in SEO, and what's it all about? It was It's really about that. It's trying to tell people, you know, SEO is not about the under-the-hood stuff anymore. It is part of it, and you have to have a foundation, right? But really, what I wanted to try and tell um, folks about is, one, take your website seriously, Right, because it's more than a digital brochure, and you got to think of it as a place to build up content so that you can become an authority and that people want to look up to you and travel to your website. But also that the things that move the needle with Google these days are not just those those technical, you know, backlink stuff. It's all the other things like the reviews and piece. And and I get some, I actually get a little bit of. Um, for some people that read the book and they're not really understanding that I'm not trying to teach people. Um, how to get in and get technical under the hood and just just only do the HTML you know tricks and stuff like that that some of that's covered in there. It's really trying to get people into a mindset and trying to think, think of their website as a as this um, marketing platform and as a way to build content and make sure that the, all the things that you're doing you do them with SEO in mind because when mm. you do that then you end up getting more than just a one-dimensional benefit out of stuff. I'd love to give you a great example on how sure. on how we do this. One of it is blog po- You mentioned blog posting, right? Yeah. Well, when we do blogs for our clients, we do usually as part, almost always as a, as a digital campaign. But when we do them, we always do them as a blog series, okay? So what we do is we try and sit down with our client. We just I did this yesterday with, a, with an attorney. We said, here, let's come up with three um, series that we can come up with. And we do them in a way that, the series will have 10 to 15 posts in them, and each one of them would be a standalone blog post that can be published once a week. But at the end, we want to stitch them together so that we can turn them into an ebook, right? And then that wow. ebook becomes okay. a call to action on the website. Right. Then we spin that ebook into a Kindle. The Kindle goes up on Amazon. They become an author on there, on, and they get that author authority. Then we take the, um, that, um, the book. And we create a one sheet and try and do things like maybe get them on a guesting campaign on podcasts or in their niche, right? So you're instead of just doing a blog post one by one, just one dimensional approach, we get out, you know, same fifteen blog posts. If you think about this in terms of like, you know, multiple win wins, mm. you can get way more ROI out of it. Um, and then, then just that single approach. And I think that's really what we're trying to get across into the book is you know, think of things the way kind of Google looks at your website. It's kind of the glue, you know, to all your digital content. It's and like, then you can like get the, a lot more. Yeah. It's like the, uh, Bill Singleton central, right? It's like the, the landing. It's like what the mothership, the web, the website has to be thought of as like the mothership where you want everybody to, to come and then everything else branches out from there. And then attracts attention and brings people back. Yeah, and I look at it, you're, you're exactly your, your website is kind of like your 
it's just your base. It's your asset that you build. Because right. when we do stuff in social media, that to me is more about real time, catching people in the moment. Right, right. But um, your website's a place where you can add up like this historical list of your own things that you've done that can be searched and found and be an answer to somebody's problem or sure. can prove you as an authority, right? But if yeah. you just post that on social media, it kind of dies in that river, you know, one that passes yes. under the bridge yeah. type of thing yeah. versus letting it stack up on your website. And the more content you have that's relevant to your your niche and you build up and do this kind of stuff, then you just kind of make this, um, like you said, like your mothership of your own digital asset, right? And you grow it up and the more you, right. you contribute it and nurture it, um, the more it can pay off to you over time. I just think most people don't think of it like that. Mm. Um, they think of... Um, they think of kind of what I'm going to get out of it in this one mini launch or this one um, action that I do right now versus trying to kind of pull it all together. No, I like that. The, what, what you're talking about is like the blog post becomes an ebook and then the ebook beca- gets on, on eBay or on Amazon and Kindle. You know, it's like, it's like you and you're, you're reutilizing something you've already made, you know, multiple times. So, now, people talk about repurposing, but a lot of time when right. they say repurpose, they're just like trying to take one thing and turn it to a slightly different thing. But this is actually like repurposing with ROI attached to it because you're, yeah. you know, it's part of an actual strategy that you build out. And it, again, it all kind of to me comes back really to getting that website piece right, um, and even blogging. I think blogging really still to a big extent is kind of the heart and soul of content marketing. Cause you know, when we blog with somebody, we put on the website and we, I use a plugin called snap auto poster for myself and all these clients. So that when we post a blog post out from WordPress, it automatically posts out to 10 different social media and bookmarking sites. Right. So, oh, neat. um, so you're going to do, so you got the blog post, you thought about it. It's going to be part of your book that you're writing, but it's also helping you feed your social media and then drawing people back to them type of thing. So um, a lot of this does come back. And, you know, with a blog post, obviously, too, you're growing your website out. It's getting more pages. Right. You can work on long tail keywords and things like that, you know, for each one you go out as long as you're thinking about it. So, again, as I'm talking through this kind of stuff, you can see, well, you're doing the blog and the blog's also got to be, you know, you you don't ever want to write and do anything just for the search engines, but you don't want to write or do anything without search engines in mind. For sure. Right. And right. if you do that, then you're going to get a lot more benefit out of it. So that's what we're always trying to do is like, I'm going to do this blog post. I want to do it on something that's going to make me an authority. I also want to do something on something that's trending. I also want to make sure that I'm covering um, a keyword that's maybe going to give me a chance to rank for it on this particular page. And then I also want to do something that's going to be interesting enough when I share it out to social media that can draw people back. So wow. that to me is like, what I call the SEO mindset. And that's what the book's all about is like, mm. let's lay it all out. Let me just mm. tell you how Google thinks. Right. Here's all the al- here's the major algorithm changes, and here's the reasons why they made the changes. Now, if you think like Google and you think your website's an asset, here's what stuff that you need to do and how you need to position it right, to right. get the most benefit so it turns into a lead generator, and that's the book. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's See, a mouthful, that, right? <laughs> well, no. The thing is, is I've heard people say that all before. It's like, it's like um, I know a, a really famous blogger, uh, Steve Pavlina. He ranks like uh, on a lot of stuff. Just because he's been blogging forever, and he was one of the first uh, uh, bloggers to like sort of like get ginormous amounts of traffic. But he was he was whenever he tries to teach people right how to how to write a blog post that might rank, you know, in uh, on Google is um, he'll be like, you got to think of all these different things, and you know, like eight or ten of them are like 
all related to SEO. And he's like, don't worry. After a while, your brain just does it automatically. <laughs> I love it. But you have to get into that mindset. Yes. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If you're thinking about it, then it just kind of becomes natural. But you're just like, how am I going to get this where it's, it has a potential to rank right. you know, on Google and get in other places? Then it just becomes second nature. So that's the whole pu- purpose um, I love the way you sum that up because he, the guy's right on. That's the SEO mindset that we're trying to get people in. Is like, just think of it this way. Because, like I said, most people, I think these days with our attention, our attention spans, even as content creators, a lot of people are just thinking about, let me crunch this thing out and get this one piece of content out the way I do it, and then that's kind of the I'm the done. goal. That's right. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I'm done. I did my work. <laughs> I'm gonna go drink some beer. Um, so let before we wrap up because this has been blast, but it's getting getting towards quitting time. Um, talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts on podcasting because you said you were going to start your own podcast, right? Or you already have? I did. So um, podcasting has literally changed my entire life this year because I went. I originally, did, I've done probably about forty different shows, and the first ones as, as a guesting campaign. Right. Right. I first thought I want to do this as a podcast, or but then I was like, oh my god, this is a lot of work. It is a lot um, of work. It is. I don't know if I'm going to do it. And I didn't quite. I didn't quite under see the. Um, see the light like I do right now because now it's an absolute no-brainer but then I got into I was like well wait a minute I heard so many people talking about guesting getting on shows and I was like holy cow I started doing like four or five as as a guesting as a guest and I was like it it, I've I've been doing this for 12 years I've never seen as much SEO or content value in terms of ROI as being a guest on somebody's show really spend 20 or well you spend 20 or 40 minutes on somebody's show right 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 and um and then they do a lot of times. Um, they're going to put you up on show notes. Right. You're going to get really earned the best quality backlinks that are healthy for the host and you that you can really ever get because you're giving yourself your best information out. And they're most podcasters are advanced content marketers anyway, so their sites are already um, very naturally powerful for the size that they are. Okay. So you see, you see, and then you don't have to spend a lot of time. So a lot of times, people right now when they want to get. Um, a popular thing to do to help people get healthy backlinks or backlinks to help move the needle is to do guest blogging. It's a total pain in the butt. You got to do like a thousand <laughs> or fifteen word thing. You got to yeah. write it out. It takes forever. Um, yeah. You have to go pitch it. People say no. It's getting spammy. Right. Um, right. Right. And then you got guys like they'll go and they'll just say no. So it's getting really hard and it's a lot harder. But then you look at the way of being a guest. If you position yourself right, like I've got a book and I went out and I've got a process right, so I've got an angle to get on folks' show. But right. if you can do that the right way, all of a sudden now you spend twenty or 40 minutes and on somebody's show they're going to write up a special blog post all about, all about you. you and have this wonderful <laughs> and wonderful your piece of content that's right and your picture special graphic they're going to share it in social media that's they're going right. to put on your website you're going to get right. a backlink on you got, it you, you you got a whole lot for nothing <laughs> exactly well, and all these guys like yourself even some people have um you know if i went up to you and said hey i want you to write this great advertorial about me and put it on your website here it is you're gonna say well no or why don't you pay me a couple grand you know, type of thing. i would i would but say if you go no on if you ask me to write it but you know i will i'll chat with you for an hour no problem <laughs> but, but i mean most people just aren't gonna, but if you go in and position yourself as a guest on a pot you, you yeah of course. Get all that benefit, right? Yeah. And then they're going to share. And so, of course, you're going to do the same thing. So it reciprocates. Right? So we go out and we put it on all our stuff. So there's definitely win-wins there. Right. But um, for the amount of time that you put into talking and sharing your information versus other ways to get out there, there's just an absolute no-brainer. Now, some of the things that I've done that have totally blown my mind, and I'm going to do this for you, you'll see. 
after every show, I go ask the guests if they thought I've been a good guest. Okay. Mm -hmm. Most of them say yes or whatever. Then I send them my review funnel and I say, hey, would you mind leaving me a review based on the quality of my, um, if you thought I brought it or I was a good guest? Okay. Okay. And a lot of times they do it and I say, if I can reciprocate, I'll do whatever and do it. And nine times out of 10 people do that. So I've been able to pick up almost 40 reviews just from podcasts. Now, if you, we become a review economy. Right. If you can okay. get people to vouch for your knowledge, no matter what it is, as a guest or something else, being able to stack the deck this way helps you more than anything else. So, so you go out in these guesting campaigns, you get guested, you get to leverage an audience. And I think being on somebody's shows like yours is in a tremendous privilege because you've got listeners who trust you. You just open the door and let me talk to them, right? right. So it's an enormous opportunity. Just just the, the value of being able to get into somebody's audience is worth everything. But then you get, okay, a, a blog post out of it. You get links out of it. You get exposure to social media. If you're smart about it, like I think I am, you follow that up with some kind of review strategy where you can work it in and maybe then we use the reviews that we get from them and we go to other guests that say nice things and we say, hey, you know, Phil's been a great guest on this show, whatever. It helps you get on other things and then get out that way. So the other thing that we've done, it keeps going, man. This gift keeps giving <laughs> is I ask folks, I say, hey, would you mind at my expense, if you're not going to use the transcripts, I will transcribe them myself. So wow. I will then put them on my website and make a blog post out of it and link back to you and give you a very powerful backlink. I get a f- wow. almost a free blog post out of it yeah. that I put up, and I've done it several times now, and mine almost immediately rank for the subject matter that I do it. So you see where I, how I get so excited and how it's changed my business. It's like just this little bit of really high-quality content. Oh yeah. Content. You know, you get to meet somebody that's interesting, share a story, package it up. And again, it's that SEO mindset where I'm thinking – how many more um, dimensions of value can I get out of this interaction? Yeah. And I've got a lot of them. I've gotten probably yeah. you know five or six more than the, just the traditional, let's talk about it and launch a podcast. So this has really changed my business because I'm like, okay, I do this. It's helped my own business out. Um, but I'm also now doing this for clients where we say, okay, blog post, ebook, Kindle, um, podcast guesting campaign, develop authority on, get reviews and all these other benefits. All of a sudden you have a killer digital marketing strategy for just about any business. So that's amazing that, you know, I, my favorite story before yours, that was really amazing. That's fun because I, I, you know, I've been podcasting for a while, but I didn't realize the value I was a podcaster is providing. But when you lay it out like that, it's like, wow, I am doing all that, aren't I? (laughs) But I had uh, another one of my guests, Heather Ann Havenwood. She was like, um, she did a very long and large, um, podcasting campaign to promote her coaching business. And she figured out rather quickly, right? She was, um, I think she said she was on like five podcasts at the beginning and she was just like, okay, whatever. We'll do this. It sounds like fun. I don't know if it's going to work or not. And she did five podcasts and she got one client and that client paid her $5,000. And she's like, okay, I'm going to do more podcasts. <laughs> that was enough. I, I, yeah. I've actually made, I've had a, over $100,000 fall from the sky so far. That I, and That's another benefit that's just, and it's probably closer to 200000 once we close the rest of these. But I mean, it's just been, so this is my whole thing now. I'm like, and here's what's killed me. Here's what's killing me is I have been on over 40 shows as a guest since spring. And each one of these shows, no matter how big their audience is, have podcast consumers in it, right? 
and I'm sure some of them that listen have enjoyed what I've had to say. If I would have had my own podcast over the course of those 40 shows, I would probably have a nice listener base already. Right. And since I don't have my own podcast launched, I missed that opportunity of all those listeners that might have, might have joined, you know, subscribed to me as well because they like what right, I had to right. say. So this is what I've trying to been telling some clients right now. Is you really need to do both sides of it. You need to have your own podcast and you also probably need to be on podcast. That's really I think the way to, you know, to do these kind of campaigns and what we're trying to go for. And again, that's yeah. one of those things I didn't see until the end and I was like, man, I wish I'd been doing this. On that? Yeah. Well, it is. It's not easy. So <laughs> it's a lot of work. A lot of people start them. Yeah, we look at a lot of people do like twenty and then stop. Right. They're right. Like, right. No, there's a there's the. I think that's what it is. Is it's like, I think they're they're easy to launch, but you better l- love it. You know. I mean, I think it's a certain personality type too. You have to like to talk to people. Well, I mean, you know, not everybody's interview based. So if you're one of these right. people that doesn't mind. Uh, talking to a screen or a microphone, um, and you and that works for you, then it might be it might work better. I don't know. I, to me, that doesn't work. But anyway, I don't know what you're. What you're I'm also thinking. Is. You know, my own show, like maybe you do sometimes, is because I know I never wrote this book with John Jansen. He's got his own duct tape, you know, podcast yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Half the time he says, and this is one of his secrets, but I mean, and maybe a lot of people do this, but he's like, man, he likes to interview people sometimes just like, it's almost like free consulting. I want to pick this guy oh, and learn sure. something, right? right I right. mean, it's almost like you get like a free thing because people that are on your show, you I mean, get like free I do. therapy, I bring, you get free coaching. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like me, I want to bring my best tips so I can impress you and your guests, right? So right. really, everybody's trying to bring it. So there, right, I think right. people are wide open to give you value if you ask for stuff. So oh, that's yeah. another reason why I want to start my own just so there's a few people I want to get out there and be like, damn, I want to, I just want to get them on the show so I can <laughs> right. ask Pick them their brain. did this or that, right? <laughs> right, for sure. Yes. This has been a blast, Phil. I, I appreciate hey, you man. being on my show. So we'll say your stuff a couple times. You know, okay, Wait. let's see here where SEO for Growth is the book at seogrowth.com. Uh, you've got kcseopro.com. So I guess that's like a that's that's my got yeah I have a, I have a that's um that's actually my SEO site so okay. there's a reason so I've KC Web Designer and I right, got right. KC SEO Pro and the reason for that is because sometimes SEO gets so tough you can't rank for right. one oh, service yeah. over another I used to be able to rank on like one site so I kind of split them apart to have their own platforms but that makes sense. Um, Check out Casey Web Designer because that's kind of where that's it all your home started. base, right? Yeah, that's kind of what still pays the bills most of the time. And then SEOforgrowth.com is where the book site is. So Roger that. This has been a blast. We both need to get food and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do that. Um, I appreciate you being here and have a good one. You're the man. Thanks right. a lot, Jeff. Take it easy. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.